Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 2nd of October. My, my, how the year is running on, Pierre. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. And really, it's about uh, two and a half months before I retire. I know. Well, I was something. actually thinking of that. And um, you'll be surprised to learn that uh, that's making me quite sad. Uh, yes, yes. But as it gets closer, it just sort of goes, oh, really? Well, after 30 years, you know. But anyway, anyway, let's not get sad. We've got lots of news. That's... And of course, uh, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents. But before we go on to who we are and how you can uh, contact us and what's on this um, show, just to uh, a thanks to Annie for her... Um, um, a great show. Is that? Are you distracted show. by the dials this morning, Pierre? Yes, I am distracted by the dials for some reason. <laughs> anyway, and also that uh, music was uh, Freedom at Woodstock by Richie Ha, a bit of a uh, going back in time. But anyway. And as I said to Annie as she was walking out of the studio, there's a recording of that song by Sweet Honey in the Rock, which is really, really excellent. Uh, I might go home and listen to some Sweet Honey today, I think, after that. Sounds good. And of course, Asia Pacific Currency is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. That's right. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter. So look us up on those social media platforms. That's right. And on today's program, um, we've obviously got the usual roundup of uh, of news from the Labor. Um, oh my God! I'm my, yeah. My plug- okay. Um, Let me take over. You know from what, Giselle? Here. After, the- after last <laughs> week, you know the fact that you're back in here. I'm just overall. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. I I I think that's a valid response to my returned <laughs> presence in the studio. In the second part of the show this morning, I interviewed Reem Yunus, a socialist, feminist, and educator, um, about the situation in Palestine, specifically about the event that is being called the Great Escape, uh, the escape of those six prisoners from um, uh, oh, Jelboa, I think, if I remember correctly, is the name of the prison, highly, highly fortified um, prison in Israel. Uh, so we'll be talking about that and um, parts of the aftermath. But, of course, first up. News. And you're first up. Indeed, news from around the region. We're going to start in Iran where more workers are protesting. Last Saturday, the 25th of September, Thousands of teachers held coordinated protests in front of education ministry offices in over 30 Iranian cities. The teachers had three main demands, an end to discriminatory practices, implementation of grading and increasing incomes, free education for all children, release of all imprisoned teachers. In another long-running dispute, it's now over three months that tens of thousands of oil and gas workers have been on strike. The workers have called for an end to casual and insecure employment, better pay and grading, increase in the annual leave and better adherence to health and safety regulations. Latest reports indicate that many of the striking oil workers have been fired from their jobs and blacklisted by the employers and government. But at the same time, 17 companies have agreed to the workers' demands. 
very long-running dispute, so we'll keep an eye on it. But we'll go nearby to uh, to Palestine, talking about uh, our our interview. Um, it's been really a uh, this week has been a particularly brutal one for Palestinians. In a number of incidents up and down the occupied West Bank, eight Palestinians were killed by Israeli forces. Some of the dead were the result of armed confrontations, while others seem to have been killed while unarmed. And a known number of Palestinians were also wounded. These killings are the result of increasing tensions in the occupied territories, with many Palestinians having no faith in the Palestinian authorities anymore and resorting to setting up local defence committees as a way to resist Israeli occupation. In one item of good news, Palestinian MP Khalida Hararo Jarrah, who is 58, was released last Sunday after two years in an Israeli prison. Jarrah has long been a target of the Israeli state due to her outspoken nature and political activism. She has spent much of the last six years in and out of Israeli prisons. Still in the Middle East, the crisis deepens in Yemen. As the civil and regional war in Yemen enters its seventh year, the situation continues to deteriorate as more damage is being wrought on that country's infrastructure and population. While the main battlefront around the northern city of Marib and its oil-rich province continues to see heavy fighting between the Houthi rebels and the Saudi-led military coalition backing the government... Major unrest is also occurring in other urban areas. This week, with 80% of the population already at or below the poverty level, steep increases in food prices saw repeated protests and unrest in major cities such as Taiz and Aden in southern Yemen. In addition, these protests once again underscored the tensions between the supposedly allied UAE-backed Southern Transitional Council and the Saudi-backed Yemeni government. Reports indicate that scores of people were killed by security forces in a number of cities. And um, we now go to a um, more of a global um, item, but uh, based in the Philippines, where a recent investigation by the International Transport Federation, the ITF, on the Able Maritime Seafarers Many Agency in the Philippines has highlighted how vulnerable workers can be to exploitation when working on ships uh, internationally. The report found that workers were routinely paid less than what they had agreed to, had their passports and documents taken away from them, worked longer hours than scheduled, sometimes in uh, jobs that were different to those they had signed on, and often working in substandard and unsafe conditions. To make matters worse, when the workers complained, they were often left stranded in foreign countries. The ITF has put out a call on the Filipino government and other countries where these seafarer manning agency reside in to regulate the sector better and make um, sure that these um, companies abide to all national and international labour standards. And moving now to Turkey, a few weeks ago we brought you news of an industrial dispute in Turkey where almost 200 workers were dismissed for joining a union. The remaining workforce of around 600 workers rallied around these workers and also started protesting. While the company, Selcom Turkey, initially tried to block the workers from taking action inside the factory, the workers' unity and determination broke the company's resistance. After a week, the company announced that it would reinstate the dismissed workers, drop a lawsuit against the union and restart negotiations for a collective agreement. 
The outstanding issues centre around lengths of days, unpaid overtime and provision of better facilities for workers at the plant. It's always good to have at least one good uh, news story. Um, For our last one, um, we go to Sri Lanka, where over the last few weeks, a new crisis has hit Sri Lanka's working class communities, with food prices skyrocketing and shortages occurring for some items. The government earlier this month declared a state of emergency has mobilised troops onto the streets in an attempt to control shortages and hoarding. But the situation continues to be grim for um, people. The immediate cause of these problems was uh, triggered by the COVID-19 pandemic that has severely affected the economic life of the country, with um, many workers either losing their job or falling sick. Other longer-term issues include the country's reliance on imports, its low foreign exchange reserves and an agricultural policy that favours export-orientated industries. Many workers are now dependent on food aid, while human rights activists fear that the Rajapaksa government will use the state of emergency to consolidate its power and go after its opponents. So, again, another, um, another area and another issue to look at. That really brings us to the end of the news Roundup. We'll go to a quick um, uh, community announcement and then we'll be back with Remunis about uh, Palestine and about those prison escapees. 3CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. It's 11 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Coming up next is an interview with Reem Yunus, a socialist, feminist and educator, speaking about the situation for, well, actually talking about the great escape in Palestine. Here's Reem. Thank you for um, asking me about this momentous, I think, juncture, if you like, in the uh, uh, Palestinian struggle, because it is... It was quite historic what happened. And actually the fact that they called it the great escape, and that's not my uh, naming, it was from the media uh, called it that. They are trying actually to liken it to the Hollywood movie, The Great Escape, which is depicting the prisoners of war uh, of during World War One, well, sorry, World War Two, who were uh, escaping the Nazis through digging tunnels and escaping it, but actually the whole name, the Great Escape, captures the the feelings that the Palestinian uh, people uh, in the diaspora and inside Palestine of 1948, where that Gilbur prison is is uh, situated, and inside the West Bank and Gaza, they all felt that uh, momentous uh, and unprecedented pride and, and, you know, victorious feeling. Uh, The story happens with uh, six Palestinians. Most of them, at least five out of these six, uh, are um, spending uh, their life sentences. Most of them are on life sentence. The Palestinian prisoners 
I would like to correct our language and say that they are political prisoners rather than what Israel likes to us to think of them as um, terrorists or just prisoners. Um, so they, these Palestinians, they are held captive uh, for uh, life sentences and they are held captive in Jalbur prison, which is considered um, one of the most highly fortified prison uh, in, in, the, in the Israeli uh, uh, prison service system. When it was established two years back, it was held as the invincible prison, just like go into your thinking or imagination into Alcatraz or something like that. Uh, these six Palestinians, they thought and thought and thought because it is heavily fortified and the security is such that the prisoners are distributed six each in each cell and uh, they get searched twice a day and they are always under continuous monitoring. Yet the Palestinians, like when they say there is a will, there is a way, and the, these people who wanted to see freedom, even if it is for, for a few days, it, it would have been uh, their desperate thing to do, which is digging tunnels. And what they used, they dug tunnels underneath the, 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 in the bathroom floor, somewhere where it was weak enough for them to dig, but of course it is still strong. And they used uh, spoons, ordinary spoons. One prisoner told his lawyer when he finally was recaptured and managed to speak to his lawyer five days after being recaptured. He told them he, he had used spoons, plates, whatever he had at his, you know, managed to, to smuggle to his cell, uh, including a, a handle of a kettle. That's what they've done. And they've been doing that for months. Some uh, speculate that might be started in December. So actually, uh, they dug about a 20 meter tunnel from their prison cell until the beginning, just like few meters in front of the prison walls. Like, can you imagine that hole where they, and they had to uh, uh, force themselves to lose 40 kilos of their weight or half their body weight to be able to fit into that, uh, these little thin tunnel holes that they could go under and, and, and go through. Um, and that hole was actually exactly in front of a watchtowers, one of the watchtowers. But uh, their prison escape was at 1.30 in the morning, so under the darkness. The first one waited for the, all the fives, and then all the six went away. And when they went away, they decided after a while to divide themselves into twos. So actually, when they captured, they were captured as the first pair and the second pair and the third pair which was captured only yesterday, um, Sunday, 19th of September. So that's why it was called the, the Great Escape. And how has Israel responded or how did Israel respond to the escapes in the immediate aftermath of the escapes? Well, because the Palestinians, of course, in, in 48 and, and 67 Palestine were happy, of course, the opposite morale was for the Israelis, especially in the Israeli top officials. They considered it uh, a humiliating defeat for them and a big breach in their security system. And also they considered it a blow for their 
invincibility in front of the Palestinians. They want always to scare the Palestinians with them being the invincible. When in fact, most of their invincibility comes from their intelligence. That depends, of course, on the few ones or twos who are traitors from our people, unfortunately. So what they've done, they orchestrated a big manhunt, large scale, unprecedented. They increased the number of checkpoints in the immediate places around, uh, because Jilbur prison is in the northern area of 1948, or what is called Israel, and its closest is Jenin and Tulkarim, places of the northern West Bank. So more than 200 or almost 200 checkpoints were there. They even tapped the phones of uh, the people who are uh, relatives and family members of uh, these prisoners. They also used, you know, the unmanned drones that were buzzing everywhere in, in the five kilometer radius around the prison. So actually, they were actually very angry and very, of course, disappointed and humiliated. At the same time, what I most hated about their manhunt is what they've done to the prisoners, not only in Jalbur prison, but also in all the Israeli prisons, including the ones in Jerusalem and in, in, in the outskirts of Ramallah. They actually did something that we call um, collective punishment by depriving them of meals, like one of the tactics, uh, depriving them of visits, which they do from time to time, but this time it was like at a more larger scale everywhere. And especially from those who, who are in the Jilboa prison, they were uh, under the threat, uh, not under the threat, they were uh, uh, undergoing um, torture. So because of that, the Palestinian prisoners inside Jalboa prison and other prisons, they collectively done a campaign called Alarm and Rebellion. So uh, some images escaped via the social media of some detainees, Palestinian detainees, actually setting fire for their own prison cell as a protest on the way they were brutally mistreated in the aftermath of the imprisonment. They actually, the Israelis, went to specifically to the Islamic Jihad faction and decided to separate them and transfer them against their will into other Israeli prisons. And in the same time, to not have more than one prisoner per cell of, from Islamic Jihad. But as I said, the fight back from the prisoners within a couple of days made the Israeli officials in every single prison to back off and stop it because they didn't want the outside world, I mean with them, the Palestinians outside, to catch a breath from that and start um, another uprising or something like that, you know? They didn't want that uh, large-scale rebellion against them. But still, there are a lot of things I can tell you about the, the prisoners' movement inside. Before we get to that, I'm going to ask you, what um, has the impact been of the escape on Palestinian morale and on the the broader movement? Has it been well received? It was it was amazing. It was a fantastic boost to the morale of the Palestinians everywhere. 
it was uh, easy to see the Palestinians of 1945-48 giving each other uh, sweets in the streets. And you'd see the Palestinians um, in the 1967 West Bank areas going uh, into uh, the streets and holding spoons. So now spoons, not only the Palestine flag, became a symbol for the freedom. And uh, they were all talking about how to actually support our prisoners. And because the, the first pair of the prisoners were um, actually captured in the surrounding of uh, Nazareth prison, they were taken to a military prison in Nazareth. So the Palestinians of Nazareth, because Nazareth is 95% occupied, uh, not occupied, like res uh, resided by the Nazareth people, the Palestinian people, they all were surrounding where these first two were now being uh, held into the trial. Uh, and they were holding the flags and the spoons uh, and screaming loud, which in turn actually uh, affected the moods of these two uh, first two captured. The first two captured were Yaqub Qadri and Mahmoud Arba. They were all like, yeah, um, very happy about that. Because look, and the Israelis, of course, were very taken aback from that. Every time they see the Palestinians of 48, after more than 70 uh, years of occupation since 1948 and being called Israeli Arabs, they still don't consider themselves Israelis. They consider themselves Palestinians under occupation. That really pissed them off very well, very, very bad. Well, there are almost 5,000 Palestinian prisoners in Israel, in Israeli jails. What are their yeah. conditions like and what's their treatment like? Yeah, so according to Adala and Adamir, which are the Palestinian right groups for the minorities, as you said, close to 5,000. There are 4,650 as of 19th of September. Uh, 520 are under administrative detention, which means they don't know when will their trial be taken. They don't know what their charge is, and they are also mistreated. There are 200 children, and when I say children, I mean children under 12, from 9 to 12. They are not supposed, according to the Geneva Conventions, to capture anybody under 16. But no, there are 200 children at the moment, 40 females. Now, uh, all these prisoners have been staging uprising after uprising in the past few years until they get certain few uh, rights or privileges. And then these privileges were taken back uh, in the recent uh, outbreak. So, for example, one of the privileges they wanted, which is not to be deprived of uh, seeing their lawyers. And these six escapees, the first two, they only got to be to see their lawyers only five nights after they have been captured. And of course, in these five nights, they were uh, brutally tortured. One of them was like, obviously, his, the right side of his jaw was broken. The right ha hand side of his eye was all bruised. All his body was bruised. They were um, uh, tidying, uh, tying them up in a very restrained condition and depriving them of sleep. Uh, most of the time, they interrogate them uh, like 16 in the, uh, interrogators in the same room at the same time to interrogate them and uh, denying them any medical treatment 
anything at all for their wounds uh, they sustained. And that's for these escapees. The other ones who didn't escape, and even in the best conditions, relatively, they were also on and off deprived of seeing their families, deprived uh, of seeing their lawyers from time to time, uh, uh, deprived of listening to the news. That one hour of break, um, sometimes the, it is removed from them. Um, and that's why you see from time to, to time or you hear from time to time about the hunger, uh, going on hunger strike, because they are asking for basic humans, human rights, especially the people in administrative detention and those who cannot see the sun for, for a long time, um, you know, because of not giving them even that one hour of, of recess. So at the moment, last week, uh, not last week, actually Friday 19th, uh, 17th of September, was supposed to be a day of their national hunger strike in Jilbur prison. 1,380 prisoners uh, agreed on that in Jilbur prison and the rest of the prisoners elsewhere to join them within a few days. What happened is the uh, prison services, the Israeli prison services uh, in command co collaborated with some, um, some in the Palestinian Authority who claim that they are for the prisoners and they cut a deal to stop uh, this strike, this hunger strike from going ahead uh, until the negotiations have been done. And they dangled for them the sweetener, which is allowing the, two the first two prisoners to, to, meet their, um, to meet their lawyers. So they actually suspended the strike but not actually stopped it. Uh, as we speak, just 15 minutes ago, before we started this interview, Giselle, I was uh, pleasantly surprised and, and pleasantly informed that the hunger strike now is going ahead with 100 uh, prisoners at the moment to be continued after because all the negotiations for their basic rights have been um, uh, uh, not accepted by the prison authorities, the Israeli uh, prison authorities. It's extraordinary what the Palestinian yeah. people are yeah. being subjected yeah. to, especially sure. the prisoners, and no doubt there are ongoing campaigns for their release. Uh, Reem, thank you so much for your time on the program today. Was there anything you wanted to add? I just want to add that we should be uh, supporting them uh, uh, up uh, leaving our, keeping our head held up high uh, with their heroic um, escape, as I said, because it has uh, broken the idea that they are invincible. Our enemy is not invincible. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. 
it's just on 27, actually 28 past nine o'clock. We're really at the end of another program of Asia Pacific Currents and... That's right. So with that interview was Remunes talking about the great escape uh, in Palestine, the six prisoners who escaped from Jilboa prison. Um, but AAWL, Australia Asia Worker Links, that brings you this show is also bringing you a public meeting on the 9th of October, currently called How to Win in Palestine or how do we win in Palestine, it confronts the what seems like an intractable question of the struggle um, for sovereignty for the Palestinian people. Go to Facebook and follow the links to find the event. It's an international meeting. We've got mostly international speakers, including some in Palestine, to talk about this issue. So we'll advertise that again next Saturday on the show. Sounds um, fantastic. And really, we're at the end of another program, Asia Pacific Currents. Hope you enjoyed this roundup of Labor news from the Asia Pacific region. Brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite radio station, 3CR Radio. And that's all from me, Pierre Morrow. And me, Giselle Hannah. And stay tuned uh, after this committee announcement for Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.